Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. <laughs> Christy's wearing a hat today that says, <laughs> Smile, You Matter. And so Ben and I are. It's, I love it's pink. It. it matches it's her headphones. Pink it's pink. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a whole getup. I wish you could all see this. Listeners. It's a mood. Uh, yeah. Ben is uh, Ben. You, how are you been doing? You've you've uh, with uh, someone under with your in your condition. Are you sure you should be podcasting? <laughs> uh, I don't even I don't even want to get into it. But um, but yeah. So um, but yeah, I'm 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 doing great. I worked out this oh, morning. Good. So everything. What did fine. you work out? Yeah. Look at you. Um, what did, like, what muscle Oh, you groups? went to the gym. Are you curious I about that? I thought you just worked something yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, Like, how to make gravity <laughs> more money. Or, like a math yeah, equation. Or a math equation. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just thinking about some <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, I worked out. Um, no, I worked out my, my shoulders, uh, this morning. You know what? Yeah. And my, and I've my gone on record about this, Ben, but your shoulders need no more working out. Those... They're very well put together, so much so that if you touch Thank Ben's you. shoulder and you touch it without mm-hmm. decelerating your hand as you come down to touch, mm-hmm. you may hurt your hand. You could, mm-hmm. yeah, it yeah. could be problematic. It's, uh, yeah, it is true. I am uh, built like a blacksmith. So. <laughs> yes, uh, Christy, I think just got to get rid of this guy. Uh, maybe we've talked about anyway. this before, but uh, if you lived four hundred years ago. In a small English village, what would your what would your job or role have been? Uh, ben would be a blacksmith, mm. right? I'd be the the village well, blacksmith. My role would be pastor. I'd be the first uh, British yeah. pastor from four hundred years ago. That's awesome. First woman. <laughs> they'd, they'd be like, we don't believe women can be pastors, but Christie's. So that, good at this that, that we may just have don't started even care. a whole. You know, so, England had all those wars: War of the Roses, Hundred Years' War, the Fourteen Day Skirmish, the Lord's War. You know, they had all these wars. Chris, that would have I'd, started another. Christy one. becoming the vicar would have started yeah. a war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, would you like a spot of tea and a crumpet, and then oh, wow. tell them about Jesus? <laughs> and, I, and you'd be wearing a hat that says "Smile." And you I'd matter. be wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Actually, tomorrow is. Uh, no, today is my dad's birthday oh, and we are doing a murder mystery and I are. get to dress up from like the 1800s so not 400 <laughs> years ago but yeah. 
Oh yeah, we're 200? like wearing costumes, and it's oh, going to be this like Western theme. And oh, it's Western. Okay, it's great. Western. So right. um, I get to be Bobby the banker, Bobby with an IE. I'm wearing a. Yeah. Anyway, it's ridiculous. I'm sure our listeners don't want to hear, but it's really fun, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's yet another adventure in the Penley House household. So organized by Christy. Maybe I'd be a banker 400 years ago. Maybe Bobby the my, banker. Bobby. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway. <laughs> Huh. Well, well. Anyway, um, uh, we we could probably just get into it. Yeah, Casey sure. Tigret. Yeah, yeah. Um, this uh, interview we've had Casey on the podcast before. Casey is a uh, he has a history in uh, being a pastor, but he's a spiritual director now. And um, anyway, has written uh, quite a good book. I, I since I think I mentioned this in our reflection on the episode, but I. I think I'd like to read this book. I've got a sabbatical mm-hmm. coming up from the work that I do at church uh, this summer. And I think I'd like to read it. Um, it's called The Gift of Restlessness. And uh, I, th- I think it's a really interesting take on um, themes of like irritation. You know, like uh, I, used to, I used to think that irritation was just bad. I shouldn't be irritated at things and I should just uh, get rid of that. But uh, Casey's book kind of talks about that as like, that's a manifestation of restlessness. And you should pay attention to it because there's a reason that it's there. And, um, you know, anyway, seems like a, yeah. seems like a, um, a good thing for me to read totally. on a sabbatical for some reason. So, yeah. Figure out why I'm so irritated with everything. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Oh, Please I'm only joking. Ben, only smile, joking. you matter. <laughs> Oh, thank you. This is, this yeah, is also yeah. what I'm going to be meditating on, on my sabbatical. We um, just circle back anyway. around. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a good book. Uh, anything else we need to say about this uh, interview, y'all? Or can we get no, into it? but this is like the 16th interview in a row, I think, where I make a, mis- like I make a mistake. You know, and we could edit out. Oh, you made a mistake on this one? Well, no, I, no, thought no. It, I thought no, Casey I was from Colorado Springs. For sure. I was I was like certain oh. he was, and then he's like, "No, Chicago." And oh. I'm like, "Okay, same difference." Yeah. You know, they're totally not the same thing at all. Starts with a C, right. but yeah. uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I think I just want the listener to know that we really take seriously our responsibility to bring you professional content here on the Gravity Leadership Podcast. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, it's and a kind of that- it's a kind of professional content. <laughs> anyway, hey. Casey Tigret joins us today on the Gravity Podcast. Casey is a speaker and he is the director of spiritual direction practice for Soul Care, which helps church and nonprofit leaders restore health to their souls. He's the author of Becoming Curious and the Practice of Remembering and is the host of the Otherwise Podcast. He and his family live in South Suburban Chicago and his new book that we're talking about today is called The Gift of Restlessness. A Spirituality for Unsettled Seasons. Casey, welcome back to the Gravity Podcast. It's good to be with you all again. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah we, we talked about your other two books uh, and spiritual direction, spiritual formation in general. Um, we were just commiserating. It was about three years ago. Um, so Time flies, man. A lot, a lot has happened. Um, your other books, Casey, are about uh, spiritual formation. Um, this is kind of the work that you do day in, day out now. Um, 
And I'm wondering like how, how this became your thing. How, how did you, what, how did this become important Hmm. to you? Oh my goodness. I I think that the, the, the easiest way to go about that is I felt from when I was in high school, I, I had one of those prototypical evangelical youth group experiences where we were at a, a big conference and it was the, everybody's super pumped and let's all mm-hmm. do something big. And, and I was a senior in high school and I decided, I felt this, this call, this invitation to be a pastor. And so mm-hmm. went through the machinations of doing that and ended up pastoring a church. And, and, but in the middle of study and preparation, there were some of these voices that really started to appeal to me. Um, mm-hmm. People like Henry Nowen and Brendan Manning and Thomas Merton, who were talking about less about the sort of get out of hell free kind of faith and more about the who are you becoming kind mm. of faith. And so I started yeah. to really see the value of the spiritual formation discussion, and and that led me to lead to other people. But then the second half of that was working with people in churches and knowing that I was I wasn't really good at counseling so much. Uh, but I was really attuned to sitting with them and hearing where God was present or absence, absent, uh, where certain practices were changing them, or where their character, where character was an obstacle, and developing uh, character mm-hmm. would have been a huge gift for them. And yeah. that has kept me in the the spiritual formation discussion um, and seeing just the the gap in our. Yeah cultural national faith of 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 focus on formation it's either a lot of times adherence to certain beliefs or it's uh, being with the right people or even voting the right way instead of who is it that you're becoming and when i've been able to help people into that into that journey of becoming it's been so much more fruitful and um, so that's what keeps me interested in in that particular conversation yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I resonate with that. Um, I uh, I resonate with it because I, I think it, it it mirrors my own story. Like I've I've been a pastor for a long time, um, but very early on, sort of learned about spiritual formation primarily from Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, and um, and I just sort of assumed that was ministry, you know. And I, I ended up getting confused when there was such a thing as like a spiritual formation pastor. I was like, oh, isn't that just what a pastor is supposed to do? <laughs> Um, so anyway, learning, uh, learning a lot about, uh, that gap, uh, as well has, has made me, um, very interested in this, uh, conversation and in this process. Yeah. Um, I've started to feel know. like we buried the lead a little bit. Like <laughs> formation, formation is the That's good, good news. It, it right. is. Right. And, right. and to say anything less is kind of short selling people on. Yeah. On well, I love possible. that way of putting it. Yeah. Formation is the good news. But. Right. Yeah, the kind of people we can become. I don't want to be the squeaky wheel, but Casey, if that's the good news, my church won't grow as fast. I know, I know, and <sighs> you'll have to be—you'll have to be okay yeah. with that. But and, who they'll become? Oh. Come on, and they are oh, going to be some of the greatest people ever. And I can't—you're getting spiritually directed right now. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll Venmo you later. I can't—I can't be a total jerk. And uh, point to the numbers of people in my church as evidence that God is still at work. Like, there is so much about what you're saying, Casey, that would unwind and subvert the ways we gather and organize and conceive of ourselves as Christians. Yeah. 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 It would. 
I mean, first and foremost, that spiritual formation is has a deadly allergy to narcissism. Um, it just there just isn't space, and so something mm-hmm. has to be sacrificed. And and with the, I mean, this is this is a whole podcast probably, but just the discussions around leadership and community yeah. and liturgy and formation. And the, the the clashing, the cracking together of what happens when we have a culture that creates not people of character, but people of celebrity uh, or notoriety, and yep. and we tend to say, well, it's going to make it's going to make Christianity laughable or whatever. Maybe, but I think worse than that, it's going to make communi- communities of people who think that that's the thing. Yeah, and yeah. so. Do you want to have one person who's drunk the Kool-Aid on the celebrity thing or a whole culture of people who have? Yeah. Like we've we've missed the fact that every celebrity pastor has a celebrity following mm-hmm. and their character is being shaped into that with the metrics of success and the the visibility and and all of the pieces that go along with it. And you know, there's a restlessness there because you're right. It it will change the way we think about just about everything related to the interplay of, of Christian life with others. Well, you mentioned that word restlessness. Uh, Your new book is all about restlessness. Um, You, we mentioned before that this, you've been on the podcast to talk about the place of curiosity in spiritual formation and remembering uh, memory in spiritual formation. And this new book is uh, about restlessness and how it can be a gift for our formation. What do you, what do you mean when you say restlessness? What are you talking about in this book? I'm talking about the place where we get to, and I think the best way to capture it is a a phrase that's a lot of times attributed to bartenders, which is, you know, at at closing time, a bartender will say, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, I think there's there's some of that that's true of restlessness, except I would say it this way. You can't go back but you have no idea what going forward looks like. There are moments in life where we can't go back to before, uh, before we said what we were thinking rather than thinking about what we were saying or, or things like that, before cancer, before pandemic, before our faith shifted. We can't go back. But at the same time, we have no idea now what it looks like to move forward. And we're, we're sort of stuck in this present tense in this irritated, unsettled spot where where a lot of the coping mechanisms, a lot of the things that we've used in the past to manage and navigate life and faith and relationships have been stripped away. And we can't rely on the same the same things that used to get us through. And so that restlessness help makes us think everything needs to something needs to change or everything needs to change. And for me that's this has been a very personal book, maybe more personal than the other books that I've written because it's something that I've always lived with and experienced, whether it's a garden variety kind of thing where I'm like, something needs to change, so I'm going to grow some facial hair. And uh, <laughs> my wife is like, what are you, Matt, what wait are you Matt, doing? Wait a minute. <laughs> Listener, you can't see, but Matt has grown a uh, a mustache for Easter, so... Not enough facial hair. I think you're getting spiritually formed right now to grow the rest of it. Grow the rest of it. Uh, Casey, do you notice the uh, the crises that my mustache creates for Christy and Ben? There's a bit of uh, they, I, I wish them rest, but there's less than rest. We could say that it makes them restless. Oh yeah. my. 
Right. Which is this, a, which is a gift meant for this you. This will preach. It's this a spiritual formation preach. machine. This thing. We, yeah. It's a, you, and it's uh, glorious. It really is beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful work you've done there, Matt. I just you. bravo. Thank bravo. you. Bravo. Yeah. This is uh, how I'm working out my salvation. Fear and trembling. Yeah. Right here. Casey, you don't uh, know this, but um, we brought you on to actually do an intervention for Matt. But you're not you're not doing your job by complimenting his mustache. <laughs> I had no idea there was so much animosity about the. I know I should have let you know about the mustache, but mm-hmm. that garden variety level of I just need to change something about my routines right. or my habits or my to the some people are I need to change my relationship or my vocation or yeah. my my community that I'm a part of, and restlessness inspires that, and so it's it's part of our human development. It's that idea of our fight or flight responses kick in and we're like, so we either need to fight this restlessness and beat it, or we need to give into it and let cynicism run right over top of us, or we find our ways of coping with it and compensating. So whether that's medicating, whether that's self-medicating, whatever it might be. And those options never seem to pan out the way that we think they will. Uh, So there has to be a different map. There has to be a different way that we move through restless seasons. And I think there's a way we do it that actually can become a gift to us if we're willing to receive it. Mm. And now a word from a sponsor. The Gravity Podcast is sponsored by the Gravity Formation Course, our 12-month cohort-based training in practical spiritual formation, where you'll learn how to notice how God is already at work in your life so you can participate more fully in the life that God shares with us. It is a discipleship process that goes beyond just gaining more knowledge and trying out some new practices. In the Gravity Formation course, we go below the surface of our lives so that we can notice and name our deepest desires in God's presence and to discern how God is at work in those desires to lead us toward holistic flourishing, more transformation, more life, more joy, more love. We've trained hundreds of people from all over the world in this formation framework, and it's helped many people to have a sense of God at work in their lives and learn to be more at home in God's love. If you'd like to learn more, go to gravitycommons.com slash formation. All right, let's get back into our conversation. Casey, you you frame this book around six human questions that arise from the phrases of the Lord's prayer. Um, where do I belong? What am I here for? Is there enough for me? Can things be mended? Will we be protected and can we be rescued? I'm curious to hear from you, which question was most difficult for you to write about? You said this is a person, more personal book. Tell us which one was more difficult and, and why. I think there were a couple of them that were really difficult. Um, maybe three. That's an Enneagram four answer, isn't it? You asked mm. me for one response. And I'm like, let me give you three. <laughs> give me three. Because that's what you really wanted to ask. Was <laughs> Hey, as an Enneagram three, as long as you answer the question, I can check it off, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want you to know, you know Casey, I've prepared these people really well. Yeah. To yeah, we have, receive, we have another to receive you, or it mm-hmm. maybe I've just scorched earth. You can decide. 
I feel like I owe you a lot, Matt. I feel like you and I, I owe you so much mm. just for the, the, you know, the, the beautiful facial hair and the preparation mm. and the, it's mm. just like, I had to feel this deep connection with yeah. you that I didn't feel before, but I'm, I'm glad it's there. I'm ta- I'm, rec- I'm going to hide this all in my heart. Mm, all of yeah. it. Treasure this. I will. Treasure yeah. this up yeah. in your heart. Do it. Uh, Christy, <laughs> Ben, um, you, you, we don't need you anymore. Uh, Casey. <laughs> Uh, sorry, you were saying right. something about being an agent for and and yeah. how one of these phrases was these chapters, are yeah. three of them. Three yeah. of them three, were hard. Three of the chapters were hard. Anyway. Well, I can I can elaborate on that because I think the 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 conversation in one of the chapters around belonging, I think that's a constant. Um there's always a sense of finding new connections to God, self, and others, and trying to navigate what those look like. Working as a spiritual director, I'm also helping people find their way through faith changes, relational changes, those things. So I think that one is a consistent one. Mm-hmm. But from a very uh, relevant and and at the time kind of kind of thing, I wrote this. I wrote the basic premise of this book in 2019, and then put it away. <laughs> Uh, because I shopped it to publishers and did did the whole the whole thing, and um, it just wasn't just wasn't time. So I thought, well, we'll you know put this away. We'll come back to it later. And then 2020 happened, and I didn't want it to be a pandemic book, but I don't think there's a personal story we can tell now without that being the background or the backdrop. Yeah, yeah. But it did frame both the universal in that we all we all all y'all we all had this experience together. And then there were the particulars of how that my family, my vocation shifted inside of that time. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, the two chapters on protection and rescue might mm-hmm. have been the hardest to write just because mm-hmm. there was a lot of—I felt that very acutely, the need to say there's a lot of vulnerability that I've had to explore in the last three years. Um, and there's a lot of places where I feel like I, I have gotten— out into the wilderness lost and needed to know is somebody going to is is someone or something going to rescue me from this from where yeah. I've where I've gone to and the restlessness starts in saying yes but not in the way you thought and probably not yet <laughs> it's going to look different than you thought it was going to look so can you sit in the wilderness for a bit knowing that help is on the way um, and what do you learn what do you learn while you're parked there with no options. Um, mm. And that's why one of the st- animating stories in the book for me is the story of Jesus in the wilderness, because it is a moment, and wilderness throughout the, the Christian scriptures is always about transformation, mm-hmm. but it's also about you're just bare. Everything that you used to use to cope and all that, it's just gone. And so you're naturally going to become something different as a result of that experience. And when Jesus has this temptation in the wilderness, he doesn't run, he doesn't flee, he doesn't invoke his mighty power to escape it. He simply rests in it. And I love the way Mark articulates it. He says that he was between the wild beasts and the angels. And I feel like that's so... It's, it just describes it so well. We're between this thing that we think is going to kill us. Like, this is the end. This is the threat. And the blessing and restoration and rescue. And Jesus just sits there and says, why don't you come just, let's sit here for a bit. 
remain with me in between these things because that's where the gift really is. Yeah, that uh, that chapter will we be protected? Um, you know, as you said, it was all, it's all about this need to feel safe and secure, um, and it's you know related to the petition, save us from the time of trial, or lead us not into temptation. Um, and I was just thinking about um, how it's often I think um, a fear of not being safe that drives people to act unjustly towards their neighbors, right? And so we. We see a lot of this, you know, with, I don't know, just, there's, there's stuff in the news every day, right? Gun violence and all, all kinds of other things that, that happen that are animated by this f- fear for my life, or I'm, fear, I, I'm afraid I'm not going to be protected. Um, and I, I think it's really compelling what you are talking about, where Jesus is able to notice that vulnerability, um, but not necessarily act in a way to, to eliminate the vulnerability, right? I think that's that's where we that's where we that's one of the ditches, right, to fall into. Yeah. And then the other ditch is to just sort of uh, despair, perhaps, and just assume that you know the beasts are going to have their way with me. Um, in that chapter, you, you mentioned this mantra um, of saying, "Of course." And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that functions for you and how it was helpful for you in situations that made you feel uneasy or unsafe. And maybe just talk a bit more about what it takes for us to live in that tension of, you know, between the beasts and the angels. Yeah. Well, fear, I'm so glad you brought that up because fear is that animating force that causes so many things to go off the rails. Mm -hmm. And I... So this could be an, I, I don't want to drive too far down this road, but I, I do think the, the doctrine of original sin and total depravity have caused a ton of damage, mm. um, more so maybe than even gifts, because they're they're attempting to explain evil in people, and I, I do understand that. Uh, but but what it's done is it's it's gotten us to the place where we believe that people are just fundamentally evil. Yeah. rather than that's a corruption of who they really are. And so it's hard to deal with fear if you believe that fear is your default setting. Uh, because I've said, one of the things I like to royal people with is say, every human being is at the core good and kind. They're just very, very scared. Yeah. And and it's fear that prompts a lot of the things we do that are that are terrifying and horrible. It's fear of losing place or posture. It's fear of losing position. It's fear of what, who am I going to be? Fear of losing that identity. And so, um, one way to respond to that, and this is kind of a social media, uh, era thing, but this need for outrage, um, I need to be outraged by this thing. And I think we have a capacity for outrage for righteous anger, but we don't have unlimited capacity. And so when I started to notice myself, like, I couldn't see three or four posts at a time. Now, now I get it. Like, you could just bail out of the whole thing. Totally understand that. And maybe that's still the option that a lot of us need to explore. But I found myself getting outraged about everything. And I thought, I can't live. This is unsafe for me to live in outrage about everything. Um because I'm forgetting the things that really matter most, but also like, I just don't, I just don't have the energy. I'm, we're just not built. We're not built for that. Yeah. And so um, credit where credit's due. The of course thing came from uh, a podcast that I heard with Rob Bell, where he was talking about mm. just saying, of course, to different things that happen. And mm. for me, it's a way of managing reality. 
and saying, yeah, human beings are incredibly frightened. Of course, of course, we're going to be uh, terrified by certain things. We're going to act in ways that are contrary to the stuff we say we deeply believe in. And we're going to do that not because we believe something different, but because we're terrified of what might happen if we don't. Um, And there are a whole host of controversial things that I could bring up about that. (laughs) But, But fear is that animating force. And so it's sort of the choice between, okay, my fear can, if I just give into it and I'll protect against it, that will rescue me. Because if not... If my fear comes true, that'll destroy me. And I think Jesus just kind of goes, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe if you just sat with those two things in tension for a while, you might learn that your fear isn't nearly as well-founded as you thought, and that there's actually a third option that you have, rather Mm -hmm. than just either this or this. There's actually probably a third way uh, for handling this unsafe, unsettled season. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm I'm struggling a little bit here, Casey, because I I'd love to explore um, all of these things uh, in depth. We could do we could do a whole podcast series, I think, uh, on each chapter of this book. Um, one thing uh, that's that's a super helpful. Another thing about um, maybe one of the other chapters that I wanted to ask you about. Um, chapter before that called "Can Things Be Mended," which is based uh, from the petition. For God to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Mm. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting that you connected um, the idea of forgiveness to the idea of mending things. Because um, I think we often can maybe carry around a shallow idea of forgiveness that feels like the opposite of mending things, right? It's, it's making excuses for broken things. Um, it's letting people off the hook for breaking things. Um, and so forgiveness in and of itself doesn't feel very powerful to us. Um, but I appreciated the, the way that you talked about forgiveness in this chapter. You wrote that forgiveness is a posture through which the world is mended. Um, so I wonder if you could talk a bit about that. Talk about the relationship between forgiveness and, say, justice, the mending of the world. How are they yeah. related? Yeah, I feel like forgiveness is restoration and reconciliation in miniature, And so any of us who are hoping to do or live in a way that restores the world, that has a belief that God created things to be whole and full and integrated, uh, to reunite all those pieces, uh, forgiveness is kind of a small-scale way of doing that. So in relational breaks, um, when we're able to to take a step of releasing a person from guilt, not from consequences, but from guilt. And maybe that relationship isn't fully restored, but there's something that's restored there. If for nothing else, it's restored within ourselves. Uh, Because I'm a big proponent of Paul saying, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There is a moment where this is no longer about you. Forgiveness is really about, I I have come to the point of peace, and this other person now, if they meet me there... And there's always an incompleteness to that. There's like, it's never this perfect, you know, it all wraps up at the end of the sitcom kind of thing, you know? <laughs> it's it's always a little more messy and it's always a little more fragmented. But that posture of seeing the world through the lens of forgiveness, through the lens of saying, we're all good and kind, but very scared. 
And in my fear, I have the propensity to do to them what they've done to me. If I take that posture towards the world, not in a shaming way, but just in an understanding kind of way, uh, I will look at what's happened between us differently, small scale. Uh, but I'll also look at things differently, large scale, uh, from you know whether it's a politician that I hold this unrealistic grudge about because I've never met them. The moment I see us identifying the same things, the same restlessness, the all the questions that I bring up in the book, I feel like are very human. We all share those. Yeah. So doing the work of restoration and reconciliation in our relationships, even with someone who we've never met maybe, and just saying, I need to make peace with the fact that I'm angry at, you know, online news, cable news host number six, or whoever we might say that is, I need to make peace with that, uh, is just a, it's a posture. And a posture has to be revisited every day. Yeah. So when I'm walking with people in spiritual direction, they're working through forgiveness. I just tell them, like, today you will wake up and you'll be like, it's great. I've let them go. I have blessed them on their way. And then the next day you're going to wake up and go, I would give $5 just to punch that guy in the face. <laughs> and it may be versions of that throughout. Mm -hmm. You know, you yeah. may go back and mm -hmm. forth, but the posture is always coming back to you. And what do I do with that? Right. I've let them go, I've released them, or I would I wish that their efforts would fail, you know, back yeah. and forth, back yeah. and forth yeah. is a posture we take towards the world. And so th that's the hardest part about forgiveness too, is that I think it is the most compelling story we've ever heard. When we see it on the news, uh, when there's been a, you know, I think the one that comes to mind is the Nickel Mines shooting from way back. And this whole community of people forgave the person who shot their children and then grieved with that person's family. Mm -hmm. And we see that and we're like, that's amazing. That's so cool. That is just so power. Not cool. That's such a dumb word. It's so powerful <laughs> and yeah. it's, and it's changing. And if the world would just be more like this and yeah. then the guy who cuts, you know, the person in our family that we've got this longstanding thing with, if we said, well, okay, now apply that here, we'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I, that, so yeah. we're stuck between this is the most beautiful story I've ever heard, and yeah. it's kind of absurd that this would ever happen in reality. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the tension, I think, of forgiveness. And that's where if we're, if we're going to be people who are living towards the mending of the world, that's where it happens. It's yeah. this amazing story, and there's some cynicism in us that it may ever happen at all. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to the show. Casey, I think especially bringing together restoration and reconciliation uh, into it as well, because I think it is, um, yeah, it's just some, some of the ideas we have about forgiveness are just that it just has to do with letting people run amok. Um, but I, I hear you saying it, it also involves, um, it can also involve accountability, um, but it also, um, it, it goes beyond mere accountability. Uh, into something deeper that um, maybe only God can accomplish um, yeah, in us. So, 
I feel like it always goes a little bit further than we want to, but not as far as we think it should. Mm-hmm. I think it's always a little less comfortable than forgiveness is always a little less comfortable than we would like, but not nearly as destructive as we think it might be or that we're afraid it might be. <laughs> you know, I find I find that it's hard for me to know when I've forgiven somebody. Mm. Like I I don't I actually don't know how to assess I mean, I can tell myself I've forgiven somebody, but then when I wake up in the middle of the night with uh, resentments or replays or revenge scenarios, um, then I'm like, well, I guess maybe I haven't forgiven. Or maybe I've forgiven some things and not other things. Or maybe I'm in the process of forgiving. Uh, I wonder, Casey, if you could speak to how do we know if we've forgiven someone? Yeah. That's a good question. I do think part of it depends on your someone. Um, I love I love the teachings of Jesus, and I love the idea of loving your enemies. But there's a big lack of how. There's not a whole lot of practical in that. You know, like, love your enemies. And I'm sure one of the disciples, because they were annoying like this, were like, okay, so how do we do that? Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus' response would be, well, it kind of depends on your enemy. Yeah. What does love look like to that person? And so taking that and transporting it into your into your really good question, Matt, I think some of it has to do with being able to check in with ourselves and understand that forgiveness might never be complete. I tend to think it's less of a process and more of an address. It's a place where we live. We just stake out our claim that I'm going to live in a in a constant push and pull of forgiving this person mm-hmm. over time. And it may take time, depending on the, again, it depends on your someone. It, it depends on the wound. It depends on the relational connection and interaction. For some people, it depends on whether that person is still alive. You know, if a long dead family member has wounded you, I mean, how do you do forgiveness for someone who's not even here to be a part of it? So, I, I, like, diagnostically, it could be asking yourself, you know, when you have those revenge fantasies or whatever, uh, it might just be a, a, a candid conversation with God about, what is that about? Like, where is that coming from? Is that really resentment or is that, I just don't feel ready to not, to have that person actually thrive? <laughs> and then the second step of that would be, how often am I able to, sometimes through gritted teeth, sometimes fairly easily, how long, how often am I able to say, I I pray for the best for that person. Not that they succeed in efforts to hurt, but I pray for the good of their their family, their children, their whatever they're trying to achieve. Um, if we can if we can step into that practice more and more frequently, I think that's a sign that we're moving towards. And it may be, you know, Monday through Thursday, you're there, and then Friday, you have a bottom out, and you're like, I just want terrible things to happen to them. It is it is this push and pull. And I think allowing ourselves the freedom to live in the push and pull with that, like, today, we're good. I don't know about tomorrow. I'll worry about that later. Um, today, today, I'm able to say, God bless that person and bless them wildly, not in their evil, but in their good. And the more we're able to live into that. Um, then it not becomes. Then it doesn't become a what I've done. It becomes a, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I I want to just punctuate 
maybe summarize and synthesize what you said, Casey, because I think it's such a helpful reframing of how I asked the question. So I'm, I'm receiving what you said as maybe a more important question for the Christian isn't, have I forgiven or not? And how do I know? But it's, hey, will you meet with God in that question? Hmm. Like, will you, will you allow that question to be an altar on which you offer your body? Um, and I think, I think that I, I come back over and over again to um, there are portals between heaven and earth all around our lives. And we often don't see them as such because we're caught up in trying to get answers to questions that are less important then will you meet with God here? And so I really appreciated the way that you uh, carefully uh, reframed that for me. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's the reason I love Celtic spirituality, honestly, mm. is because Celtic spirituality just, the Celts are so fun. <laughs> fun. The, the history of Celtic spirituality cool. is so fun really because cool. there is, they really are, and they're all like symbols and things. But they, uh, they just had no patience for like formulaic nonsense because they were so trying to stay what you're ta- where you're talking about. You know, the church in the West showed up in Ireland. Uh, and we're like, so we have, my name's Augustine, and I have this theology. And they were like, that ah, we're good, actually. Thanks, y'all can y'all can keep that over on the other island. We're we got a good thing going here. Um, Earth, Sun, Trinity, whole thing. Uh, but that is it's that presence, and it's reminding ourselves that presence is a hundred ninety percent, ninety nine percent of what it means to be faithful. Mm. Yeah. In a similar way, I, as you guys have been talking, I feel I have like a whole page of notes mm. that I'm writing on because. Even going back to what your the the book as a whole about restlessness, I don't like it. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. Yes. I I, I want to figure it out. Like I want I want there to be an answer, right? right? Like I don't want it to be a process. Yes. And and you say that it's a a gift <laughs> for us in our in our faith to like to walk it out. I I I don't want that gift. Like if I'm really honest, right? Um, Hmm. and yet I think even in this conversation, personally, I'm challenged, okay, God, what does it mean to just meet with you in the fact that I just want to have arrived somewhere? Like, I I don't want to be in this place. Um, Hmm. and I, I don't know. I wonder if you have anything more to say about that just because maybe I just need a little encouragement or something because I'm like (laughs) spiraling in the sense of like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it means other than every day to wake up and say, God, I'm going to meet with you. I want like uh, like an embodied participation of what it means to actually walk with you in the midst of my restlessness. Yeah. Christy, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. I Actually, I, I, the one thing that tipped me off on this, because and, and, I don't want it, I don't want the restlessness that I even write about that I call a gift. I don't, I'm not interested in that, but that doesn't necessarily matter because what I've found is that interested or not, it's, it's coming. And there's a little, a little nuance in the story of Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness that I had missed. 
And it stood out when I was working on this book is right after his Jesus's baptism, it says that Jesus was led into the wilderness. And that's such mm-hmm. a simple word, but it means that it wasn't his idea. And so I think there is that sense that restless moments are things that we are often led into, sometimes kicking and screaming and against our will that we don't really want. So if we're going into this place that we don't, where we don't want to be and we're being led there, if God can be present there, then there is something we can gain from it. That when everything is, when all of our normal stuff is stripped away, our normal plans and processes and coping mechanisms are stripped away. There is a way that we get to see ourselves really clearly. We get to integrate and interrogate where our faith is going, how we really feel about that other person, um, how we really feel about ourselves. Uh, I think a lot of times restless moments are about reckoning with the junk that's in us. Um, Sometimes we were never given the ability to understand, like, I think faith, the the evangelical faith I was raised in was really good at helping me understand how to think about God and everybody else. Uh, but when it came to me, it was like, you're a sinner bound for hell. So that's about all we need to say about that. Mm-hmm. But we are, we are eternal, evolving, eternal spiritual beings. Like mm. that, there's so much more to that. Yeah. And mm. it's wilderness that gives you the chance to go, what else is, what else is in here? I don't want to be here anyway, but since we're here, um, what is what is rolling around in me that I need to wrestle with? But um, I I hope that rehabs a little bit of the idea of what restlessness can be, just knowing that it's something we're we're all going to face at one at one time or another. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, it's really good, uh, Casey. This has been uh, a really rich conversation, and I appreciate you spending some time with us and our listeners today. Thank you guys for the invitation and for your gracious questions. And yeah. thank you, Matt, for the mustache just for me. I, yeah, just, just for Casey. <laughs> yeah, this mustache. I, mean, we've all, I want to be clear. We've all had to endure it. Though. I want to be clear. This mustache is for the whole world. But <laughs> Casey, if it was only you in the world, I would still have this mustache. Oh, wow. If just one person, if just one person is benefited by it, your mustache, then mustache. it was worth it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, <clears throat> Casey! Where can our listeners <laughs> connect with you? Where can they find you? Social media. Yes. Tell us, yeah. your, tell us your places. Yeah. So my website, caseytigret.com, just my name. dot com, and uh, if there's any interest in in spiritual direction or resources like that. Uh, the organization I work with, soulcare.com, is another place where you can find some of the things that I do. Um, Instagram and Facebook, I'm there as well, at Casey Tigret. So I'd be happy to to interact and chat and share ridiculous pictures of whatnot. So, Okay. Well, again, uh, listeners, the book is called The Gift of Restlessness, A Spirituality for Unsettled Seasons. Casey, thanks so much uh, for being with us. My pleasure, guys. Counting yes. down. Three. Well, two, I don't know how to I open it though. Think, Christy, we could just share. Like, what are the yeah? Bef- yeah what are the things that we, we just that came about? up for us? Like, where where do we feel restless, and what came up for us from that interview? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I asked him that question because I don't like feeling yes. restless. It kind of eats away at me, honestly, mm-hmm. in yeah. small things and in big things. And for you listeners, I before we hit record, I was telling Matt, um, I don't know, maybe a week ago, we recorded um, a podcast with Justin McRoberts mm-hmm. and you – made a mistake in the title of his book and I kind of joked about it and made fun of you. And it's, it's been eating at me. And I was like, I need to just say, I'm sorry. I don't even know if he's offended by that, but I don't think Mm -hmm. that that was super kind. And so I said that to you, um, and you were super kind to say you forgive me. And I do forgive you. You're released from feeling like you're in my debt or somehow uh, impugned me with your uh, sarcastic comment. But I don't remember what you said at all, Christy. Um, and I have no shame. So I could, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do have shame, a lot of it. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't remember it. But I, here's, here's the thing. The deep irony is, Christy, that if you would have, if Vegas would have had odds on who will, who will need to apologize to whom first in this relationship on this podcast, it would have been me apologizing to you for some sarcastic, goober-headed <laughs> comment. But anyway, uh, I appreciate you saying that, but I be at, be at rest. Yeah. Well, and I, I did say, yeah. I did say, like, if and when, because I think it is when, not if, uh, mm-hmm. one of us mm-hmm. offends the other person that, that, you know, we would take responsibility and apologize, but that mm-hmm. if if somehow we haven't thought about it, we haven't been convicted about it, that the other person would come and say, hey, that hurt me. And there would be an openness of communication in that way. And I, I experienced that with you guys, um, and but I just yes. kind of restated it. Yeah. So. Well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm into that too, Christy. Let's, uh, let's all put our hands in. Yeah. You know, go, <laughs> go team. team. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, a, just a reflection too, just on – the fact that Matt, you were not offended or hadn't mm-hmm. thought about it, your feelings weren't hurt. Um, I think that's it's interesting though that I think it's still valuable for you to say it, Christy, because yeah. you felt it, right? Yes. And yep. even though it wasn't like objectively speaking, you hadn't actually hurt Matt's feelings. It was important for you, yeah, to say what you said because it was you were worried about it. It was you know it was sort of eating at you, and so that's like that's I think that's an interesting example. It's a small way that a kind of restlessness moves you towards communion, right? And reconciliation and um, even though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. I, I appreciated uh, Casey's, uh, Casey's book um, and I appreciate that conversation. Um, I mentioned this uh, before we hit record, so it didn't, um, so I'll mention it now because we're actually recording uh, for this outro, but um, I think that, you know, I'm taking a little, um, sabbatical from church work. So listener, Matt, Matt and I are both bivocational pastors. And so uh, we spend about half our time on gravity, about half our time in the church. Um, but June and July are going to be sabbatical months for me from church work. And I was actually thinking about getting his book to um, read through uh, during those months, just because, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I have noticed some of what he talks about as restlessness in mm-hmm. me for a few years now. Like, just like, I don't know, just a sense that something's shifting or something's changing. And I don't, I don't really know, you know, how big or small it all is. But 
Um, I've just had that. I have had one of those senses and I've, I've had senses like this previously in my life. And um, I don't know, they just usually indicate some sort of changes on the horizon. So anyway, I think if, if listener, if you're feeling that, that way, about your life, I think this book would really be a really. If only there was some way we companion. could get it into their hands. <laughs> could wow, that was a great segue. <laughs> that was a great segue. Great segue. Just into, a reminder. Yeah, just a reminder of what we mentioned in the intro that we are giving away. The, the publisher Broadleaf has graciously uh, offered to send two free copies of this book to um, people who want them. So if you are that person and would like to read this book and would like to receive a free copy, you can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Make sure to include your physical mailing address and uh, any emails we get, uh, we'll throw into a proverbial hat and pick two random winners. And uh, we'll let you know via email and we'll send you a copy of Casey's book. And we can probably do sound effects when we like pick the names or something. That's a great idea. Maybe we should. Or something. Yeah. You've got some sound effects, Ben, you can pull I do. Out. I have some I have some sound effects. I'm just gonna try one right now. Okay. Um, and the I've winner is turned up. Uh, but I don't know what <laughs> I don't have the buttons labeled, so let's see what happens. This is sound effect let's roulette. See what this does. <laughs> hey! Yay! Oh boy. Yeah, this, right is right this is how people that? know we're okay. pros. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't labeled the buttons. Don't, okay, don't hit that button. Oh, Real quick, I need, I need to circle back to a comment mm-hmm. you made about we talked about my mustache a bit and uh, and the podcast and and uh, <laughs> we did did no Do no Christy no Christy. There's um, okay, good. It's it's how I carry my cross. My mustache is my cross, and then any sl- <laughs> flack I get is just <laughs> just carrying it, carrying it for you, carrying it for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but like uh, in the past, this has brought some real division between Sharon and I. She really hates my mustache, and uh, and now I feel like um, it hasn't this time. She hasn't even brought it up, and she actually told me this week that she feels like I've really grown as a person. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, her actual That's words were kind. "you're getting fat," but I know what she meant. Now that I know where these buttons are, I think I can do the sound effects a lot yeah, more. Yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> okay. If anybody says anything scary. Uh, all right. Well, we should get out of here. So jokes, scary. Yeah, we should. Before I hit, well, let me just hit the orange button. Okay. Some giggles. It's nice. Yeah, there you yeah. go. For jokes. All right. For, wow. That just keeps going, that laughter. Until next All right, time. friends. We good to go? Until, Until next, next time, time, listener. Great to be with you. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sturkey and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sturkey edits and mixes the podcast. You can check out his work at aaronsturkey.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the Start Recording button. 
You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.